Welcome to the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Welcome to today's episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. My name is Liz Best, and I am so excited today to be joined by the one and only Jamie Barron, a best-selling author, writer, and digital course creator. Today, we'll talk about everything from celebrating all the moments to how the heck you live with intention and what it means to be radically content. I hope you enjoy our conversation. goodness, I could not be more excited for today's episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am joined by one of my all-time favorite writers and thinkers. She is a best-selling author, a writer, and a digital course creator. Um, I know many of you may already be familiar with her, um, but her name is Jamie Farron. Uh, and again, just like so excited, Jamie, to have you on the podcast today. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me and having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Um, Well, before we jump in, I would love if you wouldn't mind taking just a couple minutes to quickly introduce yourself before I ask you any questions. Sure. Um, So I, like you said, best-selling author as of last month, as of, well, September. So that was really cool. And I am a writer and digital course creator, and I live in Calabasas, California with my husband, Hossem, and I am basically feel like I just live the most creative life that I could find, Um, and I work for myself. I do lots of different things, take on lots of different projects. Uh, For a long time, I had a web design company that I um, was doing lots of different work with brands and really cool entrepreneurs. And then now it's sort of moving into um, more writing and focusing on my digital course, which is Live With Intention. And um, yeah, I mean, I, my heart is to share the creative life and share all sorts of different things that I've recognized over the years. And I'm a, I'm an very big thinker. I, I, I'm, I hesitate to say I'm an overthinker because the thinking has led to all the career stuff, which is really cool. Um, but I love to observe people love to, uh, really try to understand why we do the things that we do and, you know, try to get that into words so that we all feel more understood and heard and less alone in this, in this world that we live in. Oh my goodness. Well, I love that so much. And I feel like I feel you on the thinker overthinker. It's like so real I, that I feel like often our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. It's that spectrum, right? <laughs> like This is amazing. And it's gotten me like all these amazing things. And also this is hard sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, can my brain shut off? 
Like, is that possible? I'm like, I don't need to be thinking about all, I don't need to be trying to figure out all sorts of things that are not necessary to be figuring out right now. So <laughs> that has been my work lately is like, chill. I'm trying to chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I feel that <laughs> over here trying to chill as well. Um, well, I would love to hear one of my favorite questions to ask people who come on the podcast. Um, since you are a woman who is changing the world, um, if you did have to pick one thing about the world that you wish was different or that you would change, what would you choose? Oh, that's a great question. I think I would choose that I wish more people would grow up feeling more affirmed and more confident and have more self-esteem and would be able to listen to themselves and not have to listen to society. And also that women weren't so hard on themselves all the time. I, that's probably, that's probably it. Like, I just don't want women to be their own worst enemies anymore. Mm, Yes. (laughs) I could not agree more. Um, yeah, I have no words even to follow that up with. I'm just like, what a world that would be. Um, yeah. Well, I, I know you mentioned that um, you've previously been doing more design work and you've lately been stepping more into like the writing author mode. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of like what's on your plate these days and what your favorite part of doing what you do is? Yeah, there's a, well, there's a lot on my plate. I have my book. Radically Content, which is my first nonfiction book that's coming out in April. So there's lots of promo and, um, you know, putting the final touches on everything and just doing all of that with my publisher. And then I, my literary agent has a draft of my novel. And so, uh, you know, moving that process forward to bring my novels into the world. I have some secret projects that I don't talk about until they're they've come to fruition. I'm a big, big believer in like the marinating phase is kind of mm. sacred. So I don't always talk about certain things that I'm doing because I like to just live with them and enjoy them and work with them if I'm with a partner or on my own. Like I I wrote my book, I wrote my novel without telling anyone I was doing it. I just did it because I was like, I don't I just want to work on this and not have to explain it to anyone. And then I have my digital course, Live With Intention, and working with that and, you know, probably going to start adding some more digital offerings, but, you know, taking things one day at a time. Um, Still have some clients and, you know, just also have my Instagram and my Facebook and my newsletter and all the things that go along with that. So there's a lot of lot of things flying around, but also <laughs> I'm in a stage where I'm being very intentional and thoughtful. I mean, I have always been, but um, about what I'm taking on and where I'm going. So really thinking very future minded in terms of, okay, where do I want to be a year from now, five years from now? Not in a like, this is my grand plan that it has to go this way, but really making sure that I'm putting in the time now for the things that I'm, you know, for the places that I want to be going and um, fulfilling that vision. Oh, I love that so much. I think so often, I wish I could articulate this quote better, 
Um, but I'm a big believer in like this general idea of like, it's like, if you say, like, if you say yes to something now that you like, don't really fully mean the yes to, you're saying no to something else that could show up that could be much more aligned with your vision. Um, so I love the, how you share that you're just like, so thoughtfully considering where you want to be in the future as you decide what to take on. Yeah, I love that. I love that quote too. I mean, I always know that every there's only a certain amount of time that I have in the day and even less time, even less brain space and capacity for creative work. So I do have to kind of take things in stages and knowing that I want it I want my life to be sustainable too. I don't need to I I'm not like in a rush to some imaginary finish line. Like I want a long life of doing lots of cool things and lots of interesting projects and taking on lots of different things. Like I don't want it to be predictable. So I feel kind of for the first time, I feel really, really like very like calm about where I'm at. And, you know, I'm not in like striving or proving, which is really nice. Cause I do know that like, when I say yes to something that's like eh, kind of okay, it does mean it, it not only does it say no to something later, it also takes up the space that something else could come in that's even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Well, and, and I, I love that you say you feel so calm right now, like in a, in a new way. I would love um, for you to share. Uh, I always personally love hearing people's stories of how they got to be where they are today. Um, and I know the people who listen to this podcast also really love to hear like the different twists and turns that lead someone to kind of like this moment that we find them in. Um, would you be willing to share some of your story of how you came to be here? And and I would say really like the invitation too is to like take up space as you tell your story. How far back should I go? Mm, that's a great question. I will say people often go back toward like some kind of like early adult, like end of mm-hmm. college period, but you can really start wherever you would like to start. Well, hmm, where are, where this story begins? Um, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> um, I mean, probably the most pivotal time was I graduated college. That was really, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Um, I, for some reason, just everything that I'm doing now has pretty much nothing to do with what I studied in college. I got a degree (laughs) in like the social sciences with an emphasis in communication and psychology. Like it just was so random, um, which I guess it kind of, I mean, plays in, but it's not like I got a degree in design or an MFA with writing or creative writing or anything. I, I actually felt like why would I go to school to have someone grade me on art? I was like, that's weird. I don't want that. (laughs) And I I don't know how I knew that as a teenager. I was like, where did this gumption come from? But I was like, ew, don't like grade me on a poem or something. That's not cool. Uh, So I was very rebellious even from that age. And then I graduated college and I came back. I, I was came back to San Francisco, the Bay Area. And I was living with my, with my mom and my stepdad after college, which was like not what I wanted to do, but I had taken a job after college in my college town for six months and it ended in like a fiery, like 
absolute drama fest that I was my own demise. I mean, it was my own thing, but I had to like flee in the middle of the night almost. It was really bad. I don't need to get into the details, but it was like, it was not my best moment. And so I had to move in with my mom and stepdad and they, I'm happy that I had that option. And I took, I wanted to go into startups in San Francisco. Like for me at that time, this was 2008, 2009. That was like the coolest thing to me, you know, it was like Twitter and all these places that were getting started. And, you know, I was like, I'll go to Google, I'll go to Twitter. And, um, you know, I had no engineering skills. I had no skills really, but I, (laughs) thought that, you know, I should be hired by one of these places. And I ended up getting a job at a startup that was for, it was like a new social network for writers. So I was like, Ooh, this is it. And then that turned out to be bad. That was two weeks. I spent two weeks at that job and then I quit and everyone was like, how could you do that? That's so irresponsible. And I remember saying to my mom when she was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, mom, if I stay at this job, I will be telling myself that I deserve this kind of treatment my whole life. Like this is a pivotal moment for me. Like even in the moment, I was like, oh my this gosh, is pivotal. <laughs> I know it was really weird. And I was just like, I can't say that because there was like, there was the leering manager. There was the toxic workplace. There was like all the toxic workplace stuff before there was the words to say it was a toxic workplace, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it was the don't have a social life. You should like definitely just put all your energy at this job, you know, and you're making no money, but it's the hustle. It's the grind and, you know, stay late with the, with the male manager. That's like really kind of, kind of acting strange. And there's a hand on the shoulder and this kind of stuff. And I was like, screw this. Like, no, (laughs) no, I did not. This is not how my life's going to be. I was just like, I, and thankfully I had, you know, a little bit of a buffer that I was still at home. So I, it's not like I had rent or anything to, to pay, but I, I was just like, I quit. Like I, I, and I, everyone at that company was so they hated that place. And I quit in like a, just a, I did like an open letter. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Was like, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. But I, I kind of good too, because I feel like it gave me some confidence where I was like, I know how I deserve to be treated. Like, I'm not going to be treated like this. And um, so I thought I was going to get another job. But then I started this website. I wanted to work for Twitter so bad. It, 2008, like Twitter, 2009, when this was 2008, Twitter was like kind of new. And then 2009, no one really knew about Twitter, but I loved Twitter and oh. Instagram <laughs> didn't even exist. You know, it was like, this wasn't, this wasn't the time yet for social networks. Totally. That, I was just gonna say, that's so funny. I was working at a job different, but I feel like similar icky things right after college in 2009 and I, in social media. And I remember, I remember being like, oh, this Twitter thing's like totally not going to take off. Like, man, was I yeah. wrong. <laughs> I know. You're like, it's just texting. And then <laughs> it took off. So I, um, I started a website. I got this like flash of inspiration one night and I started a website called twittershouldhireme.com. 
And <laughs> if for that time, it went totally viral. And I woke up. I finished it at 6 a.m. I stayed up all night. I went to sleep and I woke up and it had been, it was like all over the internet. This whole thing that happened that I did because it was like a website with my resume and I wanted to get noticed by Twitter. That day I'm getting calls from Fortune Magazine, CNN wants me on, all this stuff. And I was like, what the heck? It was so (laughs) weird. It was so weird. I was like, what is happening right now? And Twitter invited me for lunch and then informed me that there was no job that I was qualified for, to which I say, fair play. I had no skills, <laughs> but I had I had one skill. I made a really cool website that other people started to notice and then wanted to hire me to do websites. And so I was like, pivot, let's do this. And somehow, even when this was not like everyone's digital nomad now, but like at that time, nobody worked from a computer and like just worked from their computer in that way or started. It was, it was very, very new. And I just said, okay, if people are going to hire me to design cool things for them, I mean, I might as well do it. (laughs) And I just like, pivoted completely. And I was like, I had always told myself I was going to start a business, but I always, I thought I I need to get some work experience first, but I just said, I guess not. So I, I just started this business called Shatterbox. And a few months later, I realized I can work from anywhere. And so I took a one-way ticket and flew to Rome in Italy. And I lived for three months in Rome and had the best time ever and made money and worked from my computer. And, and then I spent a week in London and then I came home and I was like, well, I'm never getting a real job ever again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a joke to me. I mean, and I respect people who have the quote unquote real job. But for me, I was like, yeah, that's not gonna, that's not gonna fly. And I had, I mean, I worked I had been working since I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I am such a, I like to work, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I had been, I was a little, little hustler when I was younger. I mean, I would go and get all the babysitting jobs in high school. I was like a top tier nanny for a family, (laughs) you know, like I was, I mean, I was real like into it and all through college. I mean, I paid my whole college. Um, I, I, well, I had student loans, but I also paid for my own, um, for going to college on my own and like had all kinds of jobs, had cool bosses. I mean, I did a lot of, I worked for my college campus. I did, you know, I was just kind of, a, I, I identified as a hustler for a long time, which will lead us to where, where it changed. Um, and so from there, I was like, I guess I'm going to be a designer. And I had always been blogging on the side. Like I always had a blog. I always had something going uh, where I was writing. I mean, it wasn't super consistent. That was kind of my downfall was my inconsistency with writing. I, um, you know, I always wanted to write a book, always thought that was in my future. But life just kind of took, took me in a different direction because 2011, I decided to move to Europe. Like, I mean, I didn't know how long I was going to go for, but I was like, I'm going to be single. I'm going to be, you know, I loved being single. I was like, I'm going to go to Paris and I'm going to go to Barcelona and then I'm going to go wherever I want. 
a month into being in Paris, meet the man who becomes my husband. <laughs> like, hello, obviously. Life um, was so like, that, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, like, I see that you're making a website about being single in Europe. Let's, let me bring you the love of your life. Cool. <laughs> so, and of course, and don't worry, the love of your life is not going to speak any English. And yet you're still going to fall in love with him somehow. Like, this is the, <laughs> and so that happened. And then we had to do the whole immigration thing. Life really, I, I thought I was really mature and a lot, like, I was like, I'm just doing it. And I was only like 25, 26. Now I look back, I'm like, who was that? Like, I was just, I was like, I'm getting the immigration stuff going. I'm filling out all this paperwork. I'm bringing this guy to my, to America, like all this stuff. And that kind of took up a lot of time, to be honest. I mean, it really did. It was that was a lot that happened in my late 20s was bringing Hossam to America, getting him settled, um, also working with my clients. And, you know, thankfully, I've always had a pretty long, um, you know, list of clients. So, you know, that's always been a blessing in the sense that my the word of mouth spread pretty well with me. And so there was always clients coming in. And then Let's see. Then I got a job for a year at a place called Thought Catalog. Thought that was going to be my big writing splash. Like that was going to be the start of my career. Was not. Got a literary agent in 2016. Spent all of 2016 trying to work on a book. Trying to get a book to her. Trying to do something. And it completely burned me out to the point where like by the end of 2016, I was like, I'm done. I need to leave this agent. I need to leave writing. I need to quit everything. Like it was, I was at the breaking point where I was like, I'm burned out to, to, I didn't even, and, and at that time, the word burnout didn't really come into, you know, it was right, like, right. I didn't have burnt a word out, like, for pre burnout. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't know what was happening. You know, I was just like, I'm, waking up anxious. I feel like all my happiness is when I achieve X, Y, Z, and I've already achieved so much. I mean, there's things I didn't even talk about that I had done and achieved. And I was like, how am I not happy yet? Like, really, I cannot believe this. Like I've been working and hustling and striving and proving and, and just mounting the evidence for a case for myself to, <laughs> to, to, to like fight for my happiness. And yet it's still not showing up. And that was really, you know, beginning of 2017 was where a whole different chapter of my life began because I said to myself, I was just like, you're going to get your life together and you're going to stop trying to prove and strive and hustle your way into happiness and just find it where you are. Like your mental health is first your physical health is first, like these things that you need to get together and you need to be able to feel good and be happy and find joy in the moment instead of, okay, when I get X thing or when X happens, when Y happens, when Z happens, it's like I had every letter of the alphabet had happened. When A, (laughs) B, C, C, it's like, if it wasn't going to happen then, like I needed a life change. And so that was really the big thing where I stopped writing. I went off social media. 
I was off social media. I wasn't writing for at least, I would say about two years. And I was just like, I was in credit card debt, like a lot of debt. And so I focused just on getting out of debt and like my mental health and my physical health. And that was all I did. I mean, I just, every time it would creep up like, oh, you got to write, oh, you're going to lose it. I was just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, I just need to be, I need to be good with myself. Like I need to wake up and not have anxiety every single second of every day. Like this is not working for me. And so then my husband and I decided to take a year and go to France. So we spent four months, this was 2018, four months in Paris, eight months in the South of France. And it was completely life-changing. Like I was still working. I worked the whole time, but I also was just like, wow, life is allowed to just be good. Mm. Like you can just be joyful and experience things. Like I was able to be like, that was probably the first year of my entire life, 2018, where I was fully present to my life. Like where I didn't have to live it in retrospect or a memory or, oh, a romanticizing the past. I was just like, I could fully appreciate my life while I was in it. And that was like, that, that is it. That's the thing. And so from there, I was like, everything that I add back into my life, like that's where all my intentional living was born. Because I was like, anything that I add back into my life has got to be up to that level. Like it has to serve me. It has to have a purpose. It have to, has to have a reason. I'm not doing anything to prove anything to anyone anymore. Like I'm done. And I even said to myself, I was like, I'm not going to go back on social media. I'm not going to write on social media. I'm not going to blog. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to write a book, anything, unless it's from a place of genuine joy and something that actually calls to me and feels inspired. Otherwise, let me just go live my life. You know, like, let me just go do whatever I want. You know, I'm just done with this. Like, I, I was like, I love being an artist, but at the same time, a creative person. But at the same time, I was like, there's a million other ways to make money. Have you been feeling totally burnt out lately? Are you exhausted more often than not, but you're not quite sure what has to give? I'm leading a workshop on Tuesday, November 30th at 5 p.m. Pacific on burnout and boundaries, and you don't want to miss it. We'll take inventory across the different dimensions of our lives, look for lessons in those areas where we're thriving, and walk away with a clear set of boundaries to lovingly enforce moving forward. Get the info and grab your spot at elizabethbest.com. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H-B-E-S-T dot com slash workshops. I can't wait to see you there. I don't need to do this if I'm going to be miserable doing this. You know, it was like I really had played into, especially with the writing, like the suffering artist, the like struggling artist, the writer's block, the, oh, I sit down to a blank page and it's so much anxiety and frustration. And I was like, Jamie, I told myself, I was like, Jamie, you don't get to write again unless it's for joy. And it can be challenging. It can require your effort and discipline to sit down and be consistent, but it cannot be suffering. 
Otherwise, literally go do anything else. Like go do anything else. I was like that for, uh, that kind of forceful with myself. And so by the time I started writing again and putting my work out there again, it was from a totally different energy where I was like, I don't care what this does. I don't care how how many people like this, what I put out there, anything. I am doing this for me first. Like my gifts are called gifts for a reason. They have to fulfill me first. They're my gifts. <laughs> and then I can share them with the world. Then I can put them out there. Um, so that totally. was really that was really like the big thing because that has carried me. I feel like 2019, like 2018 to now, that really carried me forward and has, I mean, now at first I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. This is working. And I mean, I'm like a total, I'm a different person now. I'm so much more positive. I'm so much more trusting of what's happening. Um, and I, I really feel that whatever I add into my life, there's a meaning and a purpose. Like this is something I teach with live with intention is like people think that willpower is something that like, you know, it just will automatically happen if you want something enough and it doesn't, (laughs) you have to have a why you have to have a reason. And the reason has to be a positive thing you're going toward, not a negative thing you're running away from. It has to be like you're going towards something. And I teach this all the time and I, I've noticed that it really blows people's minds because I don't think they, they, that's not the typical societal, you know, um, it's the societal thing is like, if you don't like these things about yourself, change these things. And it's like, well, it's not really the right intention for sustainable change. You have to go towards something you like instead of away from something you don't like. And I really put that into practice because I felt like all my 20s, all my 20s and into my early 30s, it was just like, I'm just running away from stuff that I don't want to catch up to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I'm like, it caught up. Great. So now, you know, then I had to work through that. But yeah, so that's the story. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I have so many follow-up questions. I definitely want to talk about live with intention. I also really want to talk about radically content, but before we do, there was one kind of pivot moment in there that I would love to know more about is like, what, what led you to start writing and creating again? You said like you had this kind of like very stern conversation with yourself that it had to be from a place of joy. It had to be from for you first, but was there like a moment or maybe it was a series of moments? Like what like led you to feel like, okay, I'm ready. Like now is the time. I think it was in the South of France, like towards the end of 2018. And I, I just wrote a post and then I put it on a white background and I was like, I think it's time. (laughs) Like it had been kind of building, you know, like it had been kind of, I had been writing some like pretty long captions with pictures. Like it had been, I had felt the inspiration coming back, but I let it, I was like, is this for real? And then, um, and then I decided that I wanted to write a newsletter. That was Mm. another part of it. 
I said to, I was like, you know what? I really miss reading essays. And everyone was like, oh, people don't read newsletters and they don't read essays. And I was like, actually, I kind of think people do. Like, I think people still want to read writing because like, I miss blogging so much. And then that was 2018. And now everybody has a newsletter. I'm like, man, people are so dismissive of things until <laughs> they, you know, I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And if, and I was just like, if people read it, cool. If they don't, cool. But I wanted a regular writing practice. So I did what I don't do it anymore. Although sometimes I miss it, but I, did Friday letters and I wrote every Friday like an essay about something that I was going through and it was really fun because at the time I was traveling and I wrote the first one in a Starbucks in Madrid and so that was really it was fun to like it, it kind of petered out in 2020 because I had loved going to a coffee shop to write and like be out in the world you know it was a deviation from my schedule but then obviously 2020 happened and I was like I have, I have nothing to say except like, I'm not going to complain about the pandemic every single Friday. So, um, so yeah, but I, I kind of started with that because I was like, I feel, I feel like writing again and it didn't feel this like, but like, are people going to care? And I was like, no, I just feel like doing it for me. I love that so much. And that was actually how I was first introduced to you and your work was um, a friend of mine recommended Friday Letters. And I absolutely loved them as just such a thought provoking corner of the internet. Um, you know, obviously, the internet's full of many things. <laughs> um, and I actually yes. one of I think one of my favorite like ones or one of my favorite messages, which may or may not have been inspired by your time in Southern France, which France was just this idea of being charmed by your own life and this idea of creating a life that you are like in love with and charmed by. And I'm curious, like how, you know, what would you say your journey has been to feeling more satisfied in your own life to the point of being charmed by your own life? I think that a big part of it is basically noticing your life and not waiting for the big moments. I think because I took my ambition down so many notches in order to really heal myself and go a bit deeper, I was like, I have to derive joy from things that aren't, okay, one day when my book comes out, then I'll be so happy. And it's like, I'm just waiting years for that one measly moment of joy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get there and you've, you've just put so much emphasis on it, it doesn't even feel the way that you want it to feel. So I was like, there has to be a better way. And I started to just take note. Like every time I went outside, it was like, amazing weather you know like <laughs> this is beautiful out here like god have you ever just looked at trees trees are the coolest thing ever like flowers <laughs> trees how do we just get to have these things just exist and just kind of it felt a little weird at first because it was like wow you're one of those people now huh but just like <laughs> notice things and comment on the beauty of the weather. Hmm. Okay. Like I judge myself a little bit, but then I was like, Oh, I'm starting to notice. I'm noticing now how noticing is improving my life in a very big way. And just being able to, cause I recognize that if I keep like, if I 
believe that my life is only good in the big, shiny, impressive moments, then I'm waiting so long to feel that. And then I don't want to give myself like the little joys. That's how my thinking was. Like, I don't want to give myself the little joys because then I won't keep pushing towards Mm. the bigger moments. And I recognize that when I had the smaller moments, I was like, the bigger moments feel even better. Like they feel even more exciting because I didn't just, you know, keep and deprive all the goodness of my life and uh, until that moment happened. And so now it's like, like I celebrate every little step of progress. I celebrate like any time I, you know, keep my promises to myself. I celebrate the small things. And, and I think people are afraid sometimes to give a lot of space to the small things, to the small steps, because they're like, I want the big moment. And it's like, yes, we can have the big moments, but also if we celebrate our progress toward the big moment, it feels even with it all it's like, then it's just amazing. This is great. Like you're just celebrating yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's like, but we don't think like that sometimes. I think we, this society is a very punishing society and it's all about like, you know, I mean, like pain is game, this kind of thing. Like you'll sleep when you're dead, hustle, <laughs> hustle, grind, like, you know, just like grind it out. And it's very like intense and robotic and sort of there's no emphasis on mental health. There's no emphasis on happiness. It's like, okay, you'll get to feel happy when you get X, Y, Z things. Otherwise, don't you dare feel happy. Otherwise, you'll stop grinding. You'll stop striving. You know, and it's like, God, I don't want to live like that. Like, I want to enjoy my life while I'm in it, you know, or like be pr- at least be present to my life. So that's kind of how that started. I just started to become very charmed and delighted by all the little things that happen because I recognize how much it amplified the bigger things and how much it created like joy on a daily basis instead of having to wait for it or dole it out in like small little servings um, because I was like too scared to have so much joy that I would stop being motivated to like achieve Oh, yes. Well, I I love that so much. I feel like celebrating the little things is like just such a big thing, right? I like laugh every time someone makes fun of me, but they're like, oh my God, I feel like you're always drinking champagne to celebrate something. I'm like, yeah, because there's always something to celebrate. I feel like that like, it's like, I think we have this idea, as you said, that like, you know, if we celebrate the little thing, then maybe we won't get the big thing. But I actually think it's like a snowball effect where like Mm -hmm. these like little amazing moments, we get like more and more little amazing moments, which we get like these big moments. And like, in a way, the big moments feel even better. But also in a way, the big moments, at least for me, it's like they feel the same as the little moments. And like, they feel really good. (laughs) It's like, and like the little wins, like are the big wins. And like, I mean, I feel like, that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. (laughs) It's cheesy. And I feel like people don't get it until they experience it. And then they go, Oh, right. (laughs) This is what people talk about because it does sound cheesy. And it sounds like, well, it's kind of the way I feel with like people who 
you know, when we talk about self-love, there's people who, and I felt this way too. It's like, well, if I love myself when I'm not the way that I expected myself to be or in the place that I'm expected to be, then won't I just give up and not be motivated to like make myself into the person that is deserving of her own love? Like, hello, (laughs) you know, it's just like, that doesn't, it's backwards. Like, let's just like, you'll, you're more likely to make generative, beautiful changes in your life. When you love yourself, you're more likely to be able to appreciate and notice that all that your big moments are actually happening when you celebrated the milestones all up until that moment. Like I told myself that when I got my book deal for Radically Content earlier um, this year in 2021, I was like, I am going to celebrate every single milestone because I cannot wait a whole year just to be happy that I wrote a book. Like I'm going to take every single moment. Like we celebrated and my husband is a big celebrator too. We celebrated like I got the contract. I negotiated myself into the contract. I like I signed the contract. (laughs) I got the first check. I got this. Like I was just like every single, it felt like every single week we were celebrating something. And then it just like, I, I never expected that, you know, months before my book would come out that I would be this calm and enjoying the whole process of what's happening and that I wouldn't be like the the narrative for writers, especially in their book debut year is like, you are going to be anxious at every turn. Like the editing's going to suck. The writing of the book's going to suck. It's all going to suck. And then it's supposed to be made worth it when your book comes out. And I'm like, I reject that. I reject that. I was like, I'm going to love writing this book. I'm going to love how the editor made it a million times better. I'm going to love even the uncertainty of what's going to happen because it's all a surprise. Like the way that you view things, as you know, like the way that you view things is the way that it is. Like it's your perception of things that determines what the thing is. And and your reality. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, I'm going to change reality because- these things that we're expected to do or expected to feel or have been thrust upon us, they're just conditioning. And I can condition myself to think in a different way. And I can rewrite this story for myself. And I, that's, and it, it, it's worked. Like I am completely at peace with what's going to happen with this book. I have no idea. I'm just like, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And it's really exciting. Oh, that is so cool. And I have to say, I don't think I, I have never hit pre-order on a book so fast. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, what, if anything, can you tell us about the book? And how did you come up with the name Radically Content? I absolutely love it. Okay, so the name. Oh, I I mean, I have an, a, a note on my iPhone that is filled like probably with 200 title ideas. And different <laughs> words and things that I liked. And I I knew that the subtitle was being satisfied in an endlessly dissatisfied world. Like that came to me in a in a rush. And I was like, oh, that's it. I was like, oh my God, that is definitely it. And then 
the title, I kept thinking about all sorts of different ideas and topics. And, you know, like you can have the same title as someone else's book, like if it's already on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but I like really didn't want to have the same title. And so I had some parameters. I was like, I want it to feel like it's a movement, like it's a, it's a way of life that people can get behind, like something that feels very kind of like revolutionary or sort of a statement. And I have always loved the the term radical acceptance, Mm -hmm. but I knew that I didn't want radical because if you go and you look for the word radical on any, on Amazon, especially there's, it is overloaded. So I was like, nope, that's not it. And then I landed on the word content and I was like, oh, this word is really polarizing because a lot of people think contentment is like basically giving up. It's like, right. It's like complacence. It's complacent. And I was like, but I feel like this whole time I've been learning how to be content. And I actually have had the words satisfied and content in book proposals, I mean, for years. And in 2019, I had a whole book proposal about this and I got rejected by every single publisher that it went out to. Oh my gosh. I know. I like look back at that proposal. I was like, it's basically this book. I'm glad that it worked out this way because I was able to write it from a different place. But yeah, I mean, jokes on them. But <laughs> then, then I was like, I feel like content without some sort of condition or something on it, it feels people are going to think it's too complacent. And then out of nowhere, I thought of radically content. And I was like, oh my God, that, that's it. And I, I told it to a couple of people and it like both people that I told, it started this whole conversation for like 15 or 20 minutes about like, well, do people want to be content? And like, what does contentment really mean? And what does this mean? And what is this? And I was like, this is how I know it's a good title Mm. because it started a conversation even before you've read the freaking book. And they were both like, oh my God, like both their minds were blown. And I was like, yeah, see, that's what I want. I want it to start a conversation and people to go, oh, wow. Okay. Radically content. What does that even mean? So essentially to me, you know, radically content is a marriage of being both ambitious and driven and also allowing yourself to bask and savor and love the present moment that you're in. And so being able to straddle both of those worlds of like, you have a vision for your life. Of course, you, you know, you might want to add more to your life. You might want to do more, but not doing that from a place of trying to prove or strive or hustle or, you know, because society tells you that that's what success is. And so to me, a radically content life is like completely opting out of societal expectations and finding what is actually satisfying and, and wonderful and beautiful to you. Like it is, my book is such a permission slip to just, to find out what it is you want your life to be. What is success to you? What is contentment to you? What is being satisfied to you? What is enough to you? What is it? You need to find it for yourself 
And there can be guideposts along the way from different people, but never outsourcing those answers to anyone else. And so it's really a deviation from a lot of self-help because self-help is very like, here's the formula, here's how you get the things that you're supposed to want, here's how you do it, here's the process. Um, And this is very much like, don't follow what I'm, I'm going to just share my story, but like, don't follow what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm just, you know, living this way, the way that feels right to me. And I want to encourage people to find that for themselves and like, trust themselves in that. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful book. I think, I think it's, I don't know that it's really a book that is out, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the concepts are like, totally out there. Like, I mean, there's, they're kind of universal concepts, but I think the way that I've presented them will give people that sort of exhale, you know, instead of reading Mm -hmm. something that they feel like, oh, now I have a list of things that I got to do. And I feel so far away from where I want to be. And I'm not even close. And how can I get closer? And I think this is just going to show people like, you're kind of already, you're, you're good. You just, maybe you need some tweaks. Maybe you want to add some things to your life that better it instead of like, I need a total overhaul. I'm always broken. I'm always this, you know, like, I don't know. Sometimes I have a hard time reading self-help because I feel like it talks down to me. And I'm Mm. like, you know, I want to, I, I like to write anything from a place where I expect where I want to treat people as if they're really strong and they know themselves. And, you know, I don't want to like talk down to people and be like, well, follow me because I have all the answers. It's like, let's be on this journey together. Like walk next to me. Don't walk behind me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because everyone has their own best answers um, for themselves. So I love that, that framing of giving a permission slip for people to, really dream and explore and define for themselves what content means, looks like, tastes like, feels like. Um, -hmm. And I know that you also, we mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, the Living with Intention course, which is something that I am a student in. Admittedly, I have not finished it yet, um, but it's awesome. (laughs) And I feel like um, actually this podcast was one of the things that came up for me when I started working through this in terms of things that I wanted to breathe to life. Um, What inspired you to create the course? Well, I had recognized that I had at least, you know, created this process that worked for me in terms of, you know, I went from being extremely all over the place, inconsistent, don't really have, you know, haven't put much time forth on the things that I really wanted. And, you know, was just kind of a hot mess in a lot of ways. And I created this whole system and process that seemed to bypass a lot of the things that some other programs, you know, took for granted, like in terms of, you know, not everybody is super disciplined already. Not everybody, you know, some things you can give someone some tips on how to do things, but if they haven't looked at like the core issue, it's going to be hard to create sustainable change. So what I recognized was like, there's no course that goes into both of that, like the practical and the emotional. And how can we marry the two in terms of, 
you know, procrastination, it's not like, okay, just set a timer and you're done and you and do it. It's like, there's a root issue usually from procrastination. Like there's a root problem or not problem, but like there's a root cause it's giving you something. It's, it might be fear. It might be self-sabotage. It might be something, but there is a reason that that's occurring. And instead of trying to like, you know, hack away, like hack your own stuff. I'm always like, get to the root, get to the root thing and pull that up. And then this thing, like then procrastination is not really a concern. But if you're just trying to like, let me put a bandaid on procrastination by like, okay, I have like a habit tracker and I do this and I force myself and I make myself. It's like, well, I mean, it's good to have discipline. It's good to be committed. But at the same time, if you're going against something that needs to be healed or something that's coming up, it's going to, it's always going to be hard. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I marry both of them. I'm very, I'm like, my Gemini sun marries my Capricorn rising. It's like the very, <laughs> the floaty, emotional Gemini meets the, you know, disciplined, thoughtful, like very pragmatic Capricorn. And I like to have both of those. And I just felt like this doesn't really exist because you either have habit change or you have mindset change, but you don't have both. And I think it is a both type mm-hmm. of thing. Totally. Oh, I love that so much. It's like the the marriage of creativity and structure. Um. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. And then really like the mindset and the process. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, this is so much fun. Um, I do want to both be mindful of time and also had a couple like kind of quicker questions that I wanted to, to get into with you. Um, so I'm curious, like, do you have any like quote or a piece of wisdom or advice that you would love to go back in time and give your younger self? Oh, I would say, I would like to tell my younger self, just start the things that are on your heart and stop worrying about being good enough because progress and action will take care of that. You don't have to wait to be perfect. Just start. Uh, yes, that was one of the best pieces of advice that someone gave me when I was about to start my business uh, a year and a half ago is they were like, you get information through action, not through endless strategizing. So just do something. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. I wish I had known that when I was younger, for sure. Totally, totally. Um, well, I'm curious, and this can totally be one of your own or someone else's, but do you have a favorite inspirational quote right now? I mean, not that I can really get off the top of my head, but I always, always go back to, this was in a passion planner that I got years ago. And one of the stickers that came with it said, action cures fear. And I looked at that so much because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. At the time, it didn't make sense. And then I started taking action. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. I love it in the same vein. Um, Well, and I know that you're a big reader and I know that as a fellow reader, this is like an impossible question, (laughs) but but what are some of your all-time favorite books or even just some of your favorite books that you've read recently? Um, Okay. I mean, nonfiction, 
pretty standard ones. Loved Big Magic. Mm. Loved Untamed. <laughs> I also am a big fan of a online a digital course creator named Amanda Francis and she wrote a book um, <laughs> called Rich as Fuck and it's honestly it's a money mentality change but it is a life mentality change it's it's unbelievable oh my gosh I also love such a vibe I love that book <laughs> oh my god she is such she it, this book's amazing I've I'm now on my second read through with it um and then I mean fiction I love fiction probably more than nonfiction. Um, and some of my most favorite and treasured books, Bear Town on audiobook was truly life changing. Life changing. It's so good. Oh my gosh, I um, haven't read that yet. I am writing it down. It's it's unbelievable. Like it's one of the best books I've ever read, and hands down. Um, and I always loved what Alice forgot. That's a really good, really great rom-com kind of rom more, more rom than com. <laughs> um, and then let's see. Oh, the unhoneymooners, the friend zone, love the roms. And yeah, I mean, those are about off the top of my head, but, um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I, I, I guess I'm going to leave it. No, that's an amazing list. We will totally yeah, leave Yeah, that's there. enough. That's a lot of rest. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, well, thank you. Um, and then the, I have two more questions I wanted to ask. So one, I totally have this vision. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever listened to the Tim Ferriss podcast or the Tim Ferriss show. I don't really listen much anymore, but he had this question. He would ask guests of like, if you could have a billboard, what would you put on the billboard? Um, and I actually, I feel like me and many of the women in my world, um, are like kind of crazy people in the sense that we're surrounded by inspirational post-it notes. <laughs> so mm. it is my not at all secret dream that one day I'm going to print like a deck of inspirational like post-its, like pre-populated with messages. Um, so if you got a post-it or two in the deck, what would you want to go on your post-it? Like next to my name? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know. Like a saying that I would have? Yeah, like a saying that you would have or something that like you remind yourself of. What's meant for me will be for me. And more importantly, what's meant to miss me, let it. I love that so much. I feel like that's so powerful. Um, and so I feel like we have to stop there. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for, for your time. I mean, this has just been like one of those conversations that has been so energizing for me. Um, I really appreciate your making time to share your experiences and your wisdom with everyone who's listening. Um, and for anyone who is like, oh my gosh, I want more Jamie Barron. Um, <laughs> where is the best place for people to like find you, follow you, get your book, um, join your course. Uh, Instagram is probably the place that I spend the most time at Jamie Varen. And then jamievarin.com will have all my links to my course, book, everything. It's my hub. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for making time. It has been such a privilege to have you on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for asking such beautiful questions. I'm so happy that we got to do this. Uh, me too. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. 
Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at liz.best, that's L-A-S dot B-E-S-T, or by searching my name, Liz Best, on LinkedIn. If you're feeling like something has to give in your life, but you're not quite sure what, Take my free Wheel of Life assessment by visiting Elizabeth Best, that's Elizabeth with an S, best.com slash wheel hyphen of hyphen life. See you in the next episode.